This is Tantra Party, a show about the things we get lost in. Each week, we start off with a rabbit hole that sucks us in, and then we see how many tangents we can generate. Hey, Internet. Welcome to Tangent Party. Uh, this is your host, Kieran, with co-hosts, Vance. Hello. And a special guest today is Steve. Hey, everyone. So, Vance, uh, you have a tangent for me today? Yeah, today I would like to talk about NFTs, or as the acronym is non fungible tokens what's an nft okay so i can take a stab at it let's say you buy something for a dollar so your one dollar it's still one dollar so that one dollar is fungible it can be like you know different things that are not one of a kind but if you wanted to say get the mona lisa that one arguably is non-fungible because there's only one of those. The thinking or the idea is that if you have something that's rare, one of a kind, how do you prove that it's rare and one of a kind? And that it's not going to be like another Mona Lisa out there floating around that somebody's going to have. And then I think this non-fungible token is built on the idea of, say, blockchain in the sense that if I have the Mona Lisa or I have something valuable that's on the blockchain and I sell it to somebody else, then you can easily transfer custody to that person and they can easily prove because they hold that token that they own the original or they have the rights or whatever it is that's on that contract, that token represents. Is this a way to uh, authenticate art digitally? Yeah, like a certificate of authenticity. Maybe that's That's all it is. So, so why is it blowing up? So the reason it blew up is NBA Top Shot. You would buy effectively like a loot box, which was you you basically it'd be like buy a pack of like sports cards. So you buy it and then you get five pieces of I think they call them moments or art. So it could be like a clip of like a six slam dunk or a, just a picture of a dude. That was what you would get, and each one had its own individual NFT token. But the reason it blew up is then there's an auction site for this stuff because, of course, there is. And someone paid $71,000 for a picture for LeBron doing something on it. And that's a lot of money for this. And that that's what kind of triggered this gold rush. And uh, there's been more cases, too. It's like, what's her face? Grimes? I think she released some songs in a similar fashion. Basically, whoever had bought her releases, her songs, would be the only owner of that song i mean yeah they could like record it on their phone or have some other method to like record it and reproduce it but that person who owns the token can prove that they are the original holder of the original piece of work yes i know that grimes on her own computer or whatever will have like the copyright and the original whatever but like this person would be like the only holder of the commercial copy if, if they were to sell it they can prove that they have the original copy that they can sell So imagine a a similar case would be like, let's say the Wu-Tang Clan had some record, a vinyl record of unreleased tracks in their house somewhere. And then, you know, you stole it and you like made 10,000 copies of it. Suddenly that record, it's no longer, you know, one of a kind, and then it's not as valuable. But imagine that you couldn't do that. And whoever had that record just sold it to somebody else. It It would basically have like a rarity to it that keeps the value high. Yeah, I mean, once again, I don't see what the big deal is. It's just a way to prove authenticity in the digital realm. In the physical art world, they call it provenance. So like you have a piece of art, you know, they track the provenance, they prove that it was made by Van Gogh back in the 1500s. And with these NFTs, basically it's a one of a kind. 
and there's proof on the blockchain that it is one of a kind. And there's a certificate of sort of authenticity, so to speak. And you can get these very unique digital art that only you own now and for the rest of your life or unless and then the original creator of the artwork gets a cut in case you as an owner decide to sell the sell the art, right? Yes. And so that's actually another piece of it as well, is that every time you make a transaction, the original owner, original producer of that artwork gets a cut. And once again, how is that different from like residuals or like when you are part of a sitcom that becomes really famous and you get a, a percent every time the show gets played or like earning a slice of airplay that that a radio song gets, right? I, I think what's really clever about this technology is that someone's figured out how to do that for digital art. So I am trying to figure out, this is, might be one of the top 10 most brilliant grifts in the last <laughs> 10 years. And this is such an incredible grift. I love it. It's insane. It's, 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 mwah, mwah. it's an incredible <laughs> grift. And this is, I'm saying a lot because it's been a rough 10 years grift-wise. It's been a lot of good grifts. <laughs> I tend to agree because, once again, I don't get it. How is this any different from me going to a museum, seeing a Banksy and deciding, you know what, I want this piece, but I'm not going to shell out the $100,000. So I'm going to buy a print for like 10 bucks in the gift shop. This is the same thing. It's like a way to own something. In, in this case, admittedly, you would own the original if you bought the NFT, but somebody could easily take a screenshot or somebody could take a, a recording off the video on your screen and you would have a recording of that you know, piece of artwork forever. I don't get it. I don't get what the big deal is. It's it's impossible to be unique because it's digital by nature. Yeah, but you can't prove that your copy is original. There is no original. The, the NFT copy is not original, right? Because like, ultimately, there's no, there is no origin, no origin, no, right? It's like the author will always have a copy. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Okay. Here's a question. Okay. Actually, go back to that Wu Tang Clan because there's actually an example of this. Is that they have an album that only one person has. So there is a, a unique Wu Tang album that only Martin Scrolly Scrolly owns, and I guess that has value. So Pharma Bro. Yes. Yes. The the the, the, the prime Pharma Bro. Basically, the, like a villain in, in like a bad social network too, and he does own, but he owns a CD apparently. So, so as long as he doesn't play it for anybody, nobody mm -hmm. will record it. And uh, he has played like clips or like little pieces and people will, you know, are quite jealous of him having that record. And right. the idea I, behind it is because he's the only one who has it and there's more than one person who wants it or at least wants to listen to it. It has value. What he should really do is take the CD that he has, turn on a video camera, take a hammer and smash the shit out of that fucking CD-ROM and then put that clip on the internet as an NFT and then make money <laughs> off that. You could. Right? That's, That's actually the... an incredible grift. And he's that, is a, that is a great idea. Like, he should do that. So that that's the and I think that's the implication that all these artists are freaking out over is like when the value of the original art is less than the derivative of the art, right? Where, where you take an expensive or a very rare piece of art and you record uh, a, a clip of you burning that piece of art and that becomes more valuable than the original piece of art. I think that's where a lot of artists are maybe freaking out about this whole concept of an NFT, right? Because it changes the definition of art, changes the, the value proposition, I think. So I think some artists, they see an opportunity because it's very hard to get money off of digital art. Like to be frank, it's very, and this is an opportunity to be able to do that.
I, I do understand. I do respect that angle. Like the modern art world, for example, the whole idea of a gallery art scene, and this is something I only had like the smallest of glance in, is it's very contrived, right? The the whole like modern art concept is basically try to drum up fake scarcity to try and increase the value of, of, of various things so rich people will buy it. Like that's basically what 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 the art scene is all about. That's yeah, I, I agree. So you're saying NFTs democratize that in some ways. And I think in many ways, the real winners of this concept are the middlemen running the NFT websites. Like if you think about it, the whole the whole sh spiel of tech is to act as a middleman. Like if you think about like Uber, what do they do? They connect restaurants with consumers. What do you, uh, you think about Amazon? They, you know, they connect sellers with buyers. And essentially, NFTs have just brought that kind of tech mentality into the art. And isn't this an incredible grift? You're yeah, literally yeah, yeah. showing up and being, I'm going to take the work, you, the labor you do and yes. sell it to your fans and take a cut. So yes. Every single transaction, I get a cut. It's incredible. Yes. I provide nothing of value. Because it's basically a, a, a false scarcity that I'm creating, but I'm just getting paid for your work. And you're paying me for the privilege, by the way. Yeah, that's it. They're basically making more money as middlemen than the actual people generating the, the quality work, right? This is basically every fucking tech website out there, like Etsy. Etsy is another great one. Like, you know, you sell your artwork on Etsy for like $10 and like all the fucking founders of Etsy are like multi-millionaires and multi-billionaires. And, and, you know, they could argue that they provided an online platform for uh, you selling your wares, which wouldn't have existed if Etsy wasn't around. And, that, and that's a, absolutely a fair point. But I do struggle with the fact that when the middleman is making more money than the person who's actually originating the art. And I think basically that you know entered into the into the the art world like it's one of the most naive irresponsible things in probably the last 20 years and that's that's a reality right but it doesn't actually have any inherent value it's just saying like people used to buy it to buy drugs but now i think people just buy it to buy it like, is there anyone actually doing business in bitcoin okay yes so it's funny that you mentioned that because it's becoming more mainstream. And the idea is that maybe the best way to think about it and maybe the prime use case now is to transfer large amounts of money without having to use like a middleman, a middle bank or have any delays. So imagine you wanted to send a hundred million dollars. It would only cost you like five bucks and you'd have to wait 30 minutes. That is way faster than any mechanism that exists right now. And the truth is you probably couldn't even do that. The count, the counter though is that a hundred million bucks could gain or lose 10% within that within those five minutes because the way Bitcoin jumps around. Yeah, and but you are looking at it in a different way than I think a lot of Bitcoin, like the people that are long or bullish on Bitcoin look at it because they don't think about it as I'm transferring $100 million. They think about it as I'm transferring 100 Bitcoins. They don't care what the fiat amount equals so it would be very similar to the case that you're in mexico and you want to transfer some amount to bolivia are you going to use us dollars do you care what the mexican peso to us conversion is do you care what the bolivian to us conversion is you do not you only care that you are sending us dollars so their thinking is that if the world goes towards a digital currency and i think there's like three cases that could happen one of them is like bitcoin which is like a decentralized one one of them is like a central bank version of a digital currency. So imagine like a US dollar coin, which does exist, it's called US coin. And <laughs> imagine one in the middle where there's like a corporation owning a digital currency. So kind of like Facebook with the Libra initiative. So people think that in the future, 
that you're going to have three different digital currencies. And why a digital currency compared to like, say, what you imagine money or currency now? A lot of people would probably agree that the innovation on around the idea of money or currency has not changed in the last 100 years. You can still get dollar coins from 1920, 1930. It's the same coin, same shapes, same everything, like same denominations. In the US, it's like you're still using paper money. It's not even plastic. So the idea around money might be getting pushed forward through this digital sort of transformation, if you will, or this blockchain idea. And who like backs it, I think is the undecided battle that's going on right now, whether that's, uh, you know, decentralized with like Bitcoin and like whatever it is right now out there, Nano, Ethereum, whatever you want to call it, whichever shitcoin you want to talk about, or if there's going to be some central bank that backs their own currency and coin. And there's reasons and positives and negatives to each thing. I think one of the biggest factors why you see Bitcoin at about $50,000 right now is because the U.S. keeps on printing money. And they're just like, here, you get $1,400, you get $1,400, you get $1,400. So that inflation um, pressure kind of makes it so one Bitcoin's $50,000. And so throughout time, if you think about how do you, like, what is the problem that's trying to solve, right? Transfer of value. Instead of trading with, uh, you know, you give me a piece of chicken and I give you like a salt block, you need an intermediary. And then... In terms of like Bitcoin, there's some like challenges and there's some problems with it. But in terms of like large amounts, after a certain, you know, number, it makes a ton of sense. Instead of shoving bricks of gold up your ass, you can just remember some keywords and your money is safe. That's a, that's a pretty compelling way to do it. And I think a lot of people are using it in that sense to transfer money around. Now, whether that's legal or not legal, I, I don't know, but... Uh, but that is one of the use cases. I, I don't know. I only see two buyers of users of Bitcoins. People who are involved in something illegal because it is impossible to track. And people who, because I think the vast majority of Bitcoin people are in it because you, you can make money on this thing, right? It's basically gambling. It's been an incredibly lucrative form of gambling as well. Like Because I can't believe the majority of Bitcoin buyers are buying it, solely buying, believing this techno cyberpunk future. It's got to be, well, this thing goes up more more times than not because every time elon musk tweets this thing jumps like 10 percent, right i mean you know there's there's probably a lot of arguments and a lot of narrative around it i i, I don't think it's any different than anything else it's like if you had like a suitcase of cash yeah you could be like oh that's totally illegal or maybe you just they just like cash like you know i mean it's who am i to judge yeah, I remember uh, back in the day, my mom used to like hoard gold in, I guess, in her bank account or like in her locker. So like she would like call me up randomly when I'd be at work downtown and she'd be like, hey, Kieran, the price of gold is like really good today. I want you to go to like RBC and buy me like a, a fucking thousand dollars worth of gold and you know, buy me like a biscuit of gold. So I like, go to fucking RBC and like buy like this biscuit of gold and walk around downtown with like a little this, this coupon in my pocket and then go home and I give it to her. I'm like, what is this shit? Like, have you, have you, you know, reached the end of times? Like, but you know, it's like a big thing. Like, people love collecting shiny metals, and, and gold is, uh, you know, one of them. Totally. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Like, it's like any kind of collection, whether you collect sneakers or Louis Vuitton purses or whatever. Yeah. Like, government currency. The only reason it carries value is because the government has decided that it has value. So, on this one, one thing that's very really interesting to me on, on this is comic books. So, so everybody remembers how comic books used to have so much value, right? Like, especially in the 90s, like, there'd be all these valuable comic books. But it was a big thing because they jumped in value. But now they've basically lost all their value. 
And the reason mm. they've lost and the reason they've lost a lot of value is that even though comic book movies are more popular, some comics like like the first appearance of Wolverine has value because this is the first time they had Wolverine and they published fifty thousand of them. So it's like if you want that little piece of history, they want that, right? But the second appearance of Wolverine ain't worth shit. Like no one cares. Back in the day in the nineties, like, the reason the comic books had value is because one, you couldn't read them anywhere. Like, if you wanted to read the second appearance of Wolverine, you had to buy the comic because it wasn't available anywhere else. And two, people were now in their 40s and 50s having decent jobs and they were trying to buy back their childhood. But the problem though is now we're in 2021 is that nobody who read comics in the 70s, like there's no, the, the, the people, there's no nostalgia for that anymore, right? So you're, you, people only want these one-off event value comics. So it's a fascinating thing that it's it's a good example of something like gold or something like that where it held had value, but as people aged out of the market, it lost all its value. Well, the the tangent there is like why would why would people buy you know thousands of dollars for digital art? Yes. Where where you can go into a museum or go into an art gallery and buy physical art for hundreds of thousands of dollars, right? And I think the argument is age old. It's the same thing like, you know, back in the 70s or 80s. I don't know when people owned records. I'm too I'm too young for that shit. But, you know, people back in the day, like, owned records. Like, it was like a thing where people had record collections. You know, they would pull out their fucking, uh, you know, 8-bit or whatever record they have and, like, you know, show it to their friends and look at the artwork. And, you know, like, oh, look at the, the artwork on a CD-ROM. You know, if you're, like, a, a white dude, you'd have a DVD collection. Like that was like the thing to do, right? And and then so people would be like, oh, why? Like you know, why would you like own a digital collection? Why would you own eBooks or why would you own digital music, right? And the argument's always the same. There's always users who prefer convenience, uh, you know, who don't want to have a large physical collection. Yeah, it's um, easy. And they just want it online. Like I don't need to look at my photo albums every day. I know that I have a thousand photos saved on my laptop. If I want to go look at them. I'll go look at them, but I don't need to like have a photo book, right? And I think it's the same argument for digital art as well. Like people just like to collect shit and if they want to look at it, they'll open up their laptop and have a look at it or they'll get like a digital photo frame and put it up on the wall and have it displayed, right? And I think that's I think that's what a lot of these like, you know, artists are struggling with. Like, oh, where's the value of art if it's all digital? Like, you know, what if we can display art in museums? And then fuck you, man. That's the age-old argument that's been like ebooks with music, with movies, like with everything, right? That's the way the world is moving. Okay, you have Andy Warhol and then you have Banksy. I can't name a single art artist in the last 70 years. Like someone who is like a popular like artist, you know? Like that concept seems to be gone. I, I guess what what is your what is your point? Uh like that that, that concept of art is like dead. Art is dead? No, art's not dead, but the concept of like the ma- the massive important artist is no longer a, a, a thing, right? Like you, like Leonardo da Vinci would just be some tech bro at this point, right? He'd be a multi-billion <laughs> tech bro you never saw. Like if he was to be reincarnated, am I wrong about that? Uh, that's a, that's an interesting premise. Yeah, that's that's a good point. I will offer you this though. I think what NFTs are doing is what like Andy Warhol did for art. Mm-hmm. where he took everyday objects and turned them into art. All he did was like, you know, fucking took a Campbell soup and created a, a, a print of it and put it up on the wall, right? And back then it was groundbreaking about how everyday objects could be art. And I, I wonder in some way, and you know, back then it was controversial, right? And I think, I wonder if NFTs are a form of controversy where things are evolving the art world. And then, you know, there's the purists who think, you know, if art is not digital, 
oh sorry if art is not physical then it loses value and then there's like the, the progressives are like you know what art evolves art has always been evolving you know some of the greatest intellectual battles have happened in the art world right like you know modernism postmodernism impressionism cubism they've all rejected each other and the cubists go oh fuck you i'm going to reject you and then the impressionists go no fuck you cubist i'm going to reject you right and i think this is just a uh, nfts are a natural evolution of that in my opinion okay so you want on that note you want the most incredible thing with nfts Someone bought Bansky, which is already kind of like FU old art, burnt it, recorded yes. it, and made an NFT. And made more money on that. $380,000. Yes, because the original Banksy, I think, cost only 90 grand. And I think which this is why itself, artists and I think this is why artists are losing their shit, right? Because they're like, oh shit, my original art doesn't have as much value as much as like somebody like basically destroying it. Like, I bet somebody's going to come up with a, a video recording of somebody taking a giant piece of shit on, like, a famous piece of artwork, and that thing's going to sell for more money than the actual piece of art. And I, I, I can see that on the horizon. Yeah, it's coming. you got to get with the times. I already have my account on NBA Top Shot, so. Oh, you really, are you actually on NBA Top Shots? Yeah, I'm uh, just waiting for drops and stuff, and trying to, we're trying to set up, like, a collector's group so that we can collect all the things we need, and then hopefully we can, like, put it up on auction. <laughs> <Make some money. laughs> got the times, Kieran. Come on. You got to get outside your apartment. Hey, you start gambling better, buddy. Yeah. I don't even know what NBA Top Shots is. I've never heard of this. I don't know what the concept is. It's basically, what it's is like it? they recorded clips. Like, you remember Vine? You remember Vine. They have these clips of like these plays, basketball players, and they've put them into, you know, back in the day when you had those basketball cards, imagine yeah. like a digital clip, like a basketball card. And then they have these drops where you get like pack of, packs of them, like packs of three clips or whatever. And then you have to collect them. And then if you have like the entire collection, card one to 10, that's a complete set that's worth money. Oh my God. Isn't, doesn't this remind you of like, uh, baby beanies or beanie beanie oh, beanies? babies oh yeah it's absolutely beanie babies. babies yes absolutely uh beanie babies has it ever gone away i don't know <laughs> yeah you guys ever hear of um k foundation k foundation they were like a 90s hip-hop group i think out of the uk in 1994 they went and they they straight up like they were they, they had a hit record they took a a million pounds and they burnt it and they recorded it like the Joker is, is what they <laughs> I knew like, Christopher Nolan got that idea from somewhere else. <laughs> I knew it couldn't be his own idea. The K Foundation was on top of their time. And I think about that so much of like, how, that's so stupid. Because it was like 1994 British pounds before Brexit. Like how much? That's like $5 million gone. And like in, in bad resolution, no NFT, like literally <laughs> done just because I can do it. Yeah. They would have made so much money off that if, if they had done it during <laughs> NFTs. <laughs> like you have the example of a, of, a, of a band that was so popular that they felt confident they could just throw out a million pounds and be like, yeah, we're that awesome, that indie. And really, it's like, well, we're still going to have work anyway, so it's going to be okay. <laughs> and here we are. I've never heard of them at all. Yeah, I've never heard of them at all. It's crazy. So it's like, I, I guess the, the takeaway of all this stuff is that, I don't know, things change. Things, there's ebbs and flows, right? Yeah, you know, there's always this constant hand-wringing by all these, like, fucking thought leaders about how the world is changing. But the world has always been changing, and the art world isn't any different. You could argue that art, in many ways, has been the harbinger or of change, not, not, maybe not the harbinger, but at least the ones who vocally experiment and, and change with the times. Like one of the best exhibitions 
art exhibitions or art museums, I should say, I've ever been to was actually in Spain. I think it was in Barcelona. And basically this art gallery tracked the history of different styles of painting from like 1400 onwards to like the modern era, right? And they actually right. had key pieces of art in various styles in, in different rooms. And you can see how the style had evolved and they had commentary about how the local, not the local, but how the art was influenced by the intellectuals of the time and how they rejected existing sort of thought patterns and existing dogma and came up with their own. That's what our art world has been doing for like hundreds of years. Uh, to like see that in a, in a museum and, and see that transmutation of art over time was actually quite fascinating. And, right. and to be honest, you know, we're going through that change, right? Be it cryptocurrency or be it like, NFTs, I think, you know, a hundred years from now, some 18 year olds going to look back and, and say like, oh shit, I can't believe these guys were using like paper currency, right? Just like we look back and go like, oh shit, somebody was using like salt blocks to like, you know, <laughs> trade like, you know, as, as currency, right? So I think it's just a natural evolution. I don't think it's good or bad. I think it's just, that's the way it is. Well, just imagine like when we were kids, pennies had value, right? Now, if I, right. like, if, if even less than a dollar, I ain't picking it up. Well, maybe a quarter, but even less Man, than a quarter, I'm picking it up. A quarter, anything less than five dollars, I don't bother. Because <laughs> back in the day, a dollar fifty got you a slice of pizza, man. Now it's like three dollars, three fifty. Like I can't afford that shit. So one thing that I found interesting that happened last week is that apparently Angelina Jolie sold some art this year in her collection. The, from Winston Churchill, um, podcast favorite alcoholic, and it was the most confounding thing of like, okay, so, and I read the more research. Apparently, Brad Pitt gave it to her. So why? So she <laughs> sold. Wait, so she sold. She she sold art yes. that Winston Churchill used to own. No, he painted. Churchill was, painted. That's what I said. <laughs> what? When did he have time to paint between fighting a war, smoking fucking? cigars all day and like downing a, a bottle of whiskey all, all day why does she even have this like why is that like just imagine as a gift like if you like for example corinne here's some art that mackenzie king king made it would not be a gift you'd be like what is this gift for sorry um do you know who mackenzie king, king is i don't know who mackenzie king is i want you need to redo that citizenship test i don't know if i appreciate this <laughs> hey man 25 percent of canadians fail that citizenship test <laughs> you're not wrong but do they still pass <laughs> <laughs> like do they still become citizens they must no like 25 percent of like canadians born in canada when given the citizenship oh, test fail that they're test. already canadians yeah they're born here right so it's, it's pretty funny uh, i see okay. he was mackenzie king was our world war ii canada's world war ii prime minister also very crazy by the way like famously crazy <laughs> Interesting. Was he any good? I think he's a man of his time, which usually means there's the history of racism, so it's, it's difficult to say if he's good or not. Did he own slaves or something? Well, no, he didn't. He was very anti-Semitic, which, again, was very typical of people of the time. You know what? Explain this to me, Vance, because I know you're uniquely qualified on this topic. I don't understand why people like straight up dislike Jewish people. I don't get it. What are what are the roots there? Like if you so the roots are two things. Like if you if you really want to get to the roots, it's the dystopia. It's when Rome basically kicked all the Jews out of Judah, which was their homeland. Like the, that's the origin of it. After they had a bunch of basically they had a bunch of rebellions, Romans who owned the area were sick of it. They pushed them out. So basically, you had this displaced people that were all over the place, and it got exemplified. And then it becomes down to Christianity at some point because then you have this group of people who are not Christian explicitly when everyone else was Christian. And that's kind of the origins of it. And then, then it's just layers upon layers of layers. So I basically, the Romans. The Romans are, are started it. It would be the way I would describe Roman it. Roman Christianity. Roman yes. Christians. 
but before the before the Romans were Christians, they were always they were, they were already like giving the Just Jews a Romans hard time. and pagans. Yes, the Roman yeah, pagans. Yeah, pagan Romans. Fuck. Tribalism. Let's just drop words that we know. <laughs> so basically, it's basically uh, tribalism. Yeah. So yeah, this so, tribalism has survived literally millennia. Yeah, and 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 so the I guess the key and again this is a, this is really a European thing is that you you always had so you had these group of people because there was a time when everyone was Christian and everyone just argued about. What type of Christian you were? Like that's what you are. Was a better Christian. Yeah. Or are your Christian? Is your Christian dogma the the right Christian dogma? And then then you had these guys who are not Christians, and you're like, oh, these guys, we can't trust them. And then when they start doing well, because you know, for whatever, for various reasons, like one of the reasons that they did very well, there was a concept of Christianity that you weren't allowed to loan money. Well, you could loan money, but you weren't allowed to charge interest. That's still. I think that's still true for Islam. That is correct. I did not know that. That's it. That's correct. That's why you don't have taxes in Islamic countries and uh, banks don't charge interest. That's correct. And how do do how do they raise capital? Uh, sure. Basically, there's some oil involved. That's fascinating. I did not know that. Holy shit. How the heck do they do that? And that's actually one of the advantages of working in the Middle East, right? If you go to like Saudi or like the, some of the strictly devout uh, Muslim countries. Um, and I think Brunei might have been one of them when my dad worked there. Or, or my mom worked there as well. I don't think we got taxed or the tax was extremely low because it's an oil-rich uh, sultanate. So, or it might have been that they maybe they didn't charge the locals any tax, but foreigners had to pay. So that, that's one of the advantages. If you want to make some cash quick, and you go to like Saudi Arabia or, or any one of those Muslim sultanates, work there for four years, make that cash tax-free come back to canada and they'll live like a king it's literally impossible to make money like to run a country unless you have incredible natural resources right well exactly that's why only the the oil rich or the resource rich muslim sultanates do it right you don't see indonesia not charging tax because that country's like fucking poor as shit right yeah exactly well, or, or malaysia as an example right malaysia charges tax i'm sure there's personal income tax there so yeah it, this is a very like i think very strict interpretation of islam and countries that have the natural resources can you know can do it right not 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 every muslim country does it like pakistan as an example once again pretty sure they charge income tax right and the country is poor as shit but this goes right back to the idea so the jews totally could charge interest there was nothing in the nothing to forbid them so they got got so you had the small community in your in your christian community that was getting very rich off you and that's going to cause resentment. And it's going to cause people to go crazy online. But like the medieval equivalent of online, which is talking to each other and just, just going crazy on lead poisoning. So that is why. And that's basically the origin of all anti-Semitism. Basically, the Bible told you to hate him and the fact that they could get rich off interest. Yeah. And they did technically kill Jesus, for the record, who was also a Jew. But people, anti-Semites <laughs> tend to forget, tend to just not think about that part. They don't want. They don't I, want to, I forgot about that. Yeah, they, like no, we're we're we're, we're gonna blame, we're, we're gonna think about Jesus as a Jew. We're just gonna think of the guys who killed Jesus, which is again very fascinating, hateful mind. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. So I guess they saw him. They saw Jesus Christ as a as just a regular human, as opposed to a son of God. Okay, so well, I think that um, only. Christians think of Jesus Christ as like the idea of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That only exists in Christianity. Yeah. Jewish people do not believe that, and neither do it like Muslims. And so, the Trinity concept in itself is also, if you go through the history of Christianity, it's very problematic. You'd be surprised me how many wars are fought about even the concept of the Trinity and what the Trinity, like the definition of the Trinity. It, it is actually astounding. What is the Trinity? 
So there's there's basically three concepts is that there's no so you have your God and God is three things. It's God, it's God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost. We call him Holy Spirit. Oh, it's not it's not blade trinity? No, uh, no, we don't talk about blade trinity, the bla the bad blade, as I call it. <laughs> the bad blade. That was the one with uh, Jessica Alba, wasn't it? Yeah, oh. and and Ryan Reynolds, and everyone gives a good decent performance, but man, they, they do Wesley Snipes dirty in that movie. He's barely they in did. the movie. They do it dirty, they didn't blade bad, they didn't blade. They tried dirty. to replace him. They tried <laughs> to replace him. You try to replace when he's nice with Ryan Reynolds. What what is that? <laughs> Nerd rage. <laughs> Yo, I'll just tangent this whole thing over to Blade. By the way, right here. Do it. Do it, Vance. <laughs> okay, so I watched Blade this week. Okay, and okay, Blade rules. Like Blade might be one of the best movies made in the last twenty five years. It's, it's incredible because it's it's weird because it's. It is a Marvel movie. Like, he's a Marvel character. And in lots of ways, it actually, like, sets a good template for the way Marvel movies are falling. But at the time, I think they, they buried the fact he was a comic book character. Yeah, like, the world, they were like, oh, the world isn't ready for Blade to be a comic book character. Well, I think the secret was that he was such a... I would be curious. I would love to read, like, why they even chose to make this movie. Because Blade was not... Even the comics, Blade was not a popular character. Like, he was... I think he had he has fans. But he, he was... Like, he was from a... a a Dracula, he was a side character that Dracula comic book, but like he was not a major character. Yeah, that's true. What an odd choice, right? Like, um, like why not make well, maybe they thought with the available technology of the day they could like pull off Blade, maybe that's what it was. But man, that freaking sequence, the blood rave sequence, as they call it, which I think about at least once a day. Where he... <laughs> Why do you think about it once a day? <laughs> because it is, it's in there. Like, it's just like that. Like, when he walks in, it's like, the youth is here to the sick early 90s techno. I can't even do it. I can't, I can't, I can't get the sick face required to. Do you do that while getting a massage on your massage <laughs> table? <laughs> in my massage table room? My weird, weirdly only plastic walls massage table room? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I agree, though. It was an odd choice for, for Marvel to to make that. I just licensed that comic book. Someone said, like, I want to give you money to make, let me make The Blade. Like, I, could make a, I could make another Vampire Hunter movie, but no, I need Blade to be my character. And that man was the smartest man in history. And Wesley Snipes has been done so dirty over the years. <laughs> I don't understand this Wesley Snipes being done dirty. Like, is this something you're trying to, like, popularize? I don't get it. Well, like people are like, okay, what's this nice? Yeah, you went to jail because you did tax evasion, you know? Like, he was Blade. Blade! So just because he was Blade, he's allowed to evade taxes? I don't What's your point? Well, the point is, he did his time, and now it's time for more Blade. <laughs> that is my that's my time. And All right. I can get behind that. Because, like, he was so, like, what's this nice? What's that? In all honesty, like, it was legitimately, like, he's a very iconic actor. Right? He's, he's got a vibe. You're like, he's good. And and Blade is the, the his greatest moments. Like, is the, is the achievement of being Blade. That's true. I think much like Ryan Reynolds was made for Deadpool, Wesley Snipes was made for Blade. I agree. He could sell just, like, shitty one-liners and just be like, fuck yeah. Like, you know how that movie ends? He's fighting, he's fighting basically a vampire that can, uh, Deacon Frost, who can regenerate. He's like super vampire now. He's, cause he's got vampire magic blood. And the, the way he kills him, he kills him with like antiviral thing that causes him literally to explode in blood. And his line is like, some motherfuckers just want to skate uphill both ways. 
makes no sense. I know. So good. <laughs> It makes no sense. Was that guy skating as he was trying to run no, away? No, he was not. <laughs> and so I don't get torched. It's some motherfuckers want want you just want to skate uphill, not both ways. I didn't mean that, but like yes, it, that's what's so good about it. And it, you know what sells it? When you do that, you're like, yeah, Blade, you're so good. <laughs> oh, that's good. I gotta I gotta rewatch that series. It's been a long time. Well, you need to watch Blade One and Blade Two. It's quite a different movie, but kind of incredible for its own reasons. Like he he straight does like wrestling moves in that movie. It's kind of incredible. <laughs> and then Blade Three is where he gets jibbed, where he gets yeah. where he gets where, what did you say? Where he gets played dirty. So they definitely did him dirty, but there's lots of stories about what happened. Like one story says that he was high the whole time. That's why they didn't want to work with him. Okay. But, and our and our story says like no, they were explicitly trying to push me out because they wanted the Jessica Alba, Ryan Reynolds characters. So the, the, there's one of those things where it's behind the scenes and there's no legitimate thing. Mm-hmm. And that's why I want to talk with the movie Predator. With Jean-Claude Van Damme. <laughs> Predator? That was with uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yes, but in the original c- cut, Jean-Claude Van Damme was supposed to be the Predator. What? The, oh, the Predator. Okay. Yeah. He was supposed to, he was supposed to fight John, um, him, and he got fired, but there's no definitive reason on why he got fired. Like, one version is he just did too much, too much cocaine and they didn't want him. Jean-Claude Van Damme apparently did the splits on two tables, like in Time Cop, and said, suck my balls, and walked out the door. <laughs> Like Piers Morgan. <laughs> yes, <today>. exactly. <laughs> yes, exactly like Piers Morgan today. Well, he got fired, did he not? Well, he or walked away Morgan. first and then, because he couldn't handle, you know, legitimate criticism coming from his co-host. And then he walks away. So, and so, then 10 minutes later, he comes back and the TV network was like, well, fuck you, you're fired. So what what did he say? I, I missed that. Basically, you know, Piers Morgan has been shitting on Meghan Markle for a long time. I, I think for the last four yeah. years. So he's been shitting on her uncharacteristically for, for various reasons. Sorry, for unclear reasons, because there was no personal vendetta there. The co-host, his uh, Piers Morgan's co-host finally called him out. He was like, you know, you've been just shitting on her nonstop. And it's, it's uh, it, you know, one of the reasons is probably because she cut you off as a friend. Uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then basically, uh, after like two minutes of this, Piers Morgan says, you know what? Uh, fuck you. Uh, I don't need to listen to this shit. And just like walks out of his own set. It's not like it was a guest on some show. It was his own fucking set, right? He walks out. And then I think oh, 10 minutes later, they cajole him to come back. But at that point, you know, like, who gives it? It's game over. So did the co-horse literally accuse him of of getting mad at Mer- Megan because she, because she didn't want to be friends with him anymore? Pretty much. Don't quote me on this, but the story goes that I think Megan Markle met Pierce Morgan at some pub. They hit it off. And then after a couple of hours... I think she had to go and, and go to another party. And so this other party that, that she went to is where she met, you know, Prince Harry. And of course, you know, the rest of it was history. So the theory goes basically that, you know, Piers Morgan feels jibbed that he probably had the hots for Meghan Markle. And she basically, you know, quote unquote, like rejected him. His ego is so fragile that he, he couldn't handle the rejection. You know, he's been shitting on her for four years. And when somebody finally called him out on it, he couldn't handle it. That's incredible. <laughs> right. Once again, I don't know how true this is. This is what I've heard through the grapevine, but, uh, you know, basically full full circle for, for Piers Morgan. Well, at least it worked out with Harry, right? Megan, no, no hard times, no problems. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, a moderately decent looking royal or like a sweaty fucking 50-year-old British guy <laughs> who probably has halitosis. I think the choice is pretty clear there. Wow, I did not know that. It was literally that angle to it because that's so crazy to me. Because, <laughs> like, look, look, Piers, I don't want to say you're 
It wasn't going to happen, bro. It's okay. Yeah, yeah, totally. He never stood a chance. Yeah, never stood a chance. (laughs) He's going to have an incredible grift. He's been canceled. And from I can tell, if you get canceled, man, that's the time to grift time. He's going to have a network in a month or he's going to be prime minister in like four years. Yeah, he's going to write a book. He's going to write a tell-all book. Yes. (laughs) I mean, they probably had an amazing package for him, right? They terminated his employment. Probably gave him like a million dollar, a few million pound dollar settlement. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's set for life now. Yeah, I mean, we should talk about that sometime. Had the royal family. And I'm always curious about how, how it's all <laughs> played. I've always wondered if they have a last name. So maybe <laughs> save that for next time. Yeah, what is the what is the last name of I, we can't we can't we, can't, we, can't, we, we throw this up because there's actually a long story behind this. <laughs> They're not commoners. They don't have common last names. So the last name is Windsor, but that's not their real last name. They renamed themselves in World War II because their last name is they're actually a German um, family. They're actually a oh. German Roman family. And it, you have to get right into the dynastics that's of. That's embarrassing. As, yes. In World War II, that was. Ve- sorry, it might be World War One. Anyway, very embarrassing World War One. <laughs> That was that was a, a fun uh, fun Tuesday night with you guys. We had uh, some really interesting conversations. <laughs> we started off with NFTs, and then we went into the the value of art, like uh, what it you know physical art versus digital art. Then we went into cryptocurrencies and the future of uh, currencies in general. And we talked about how someone burning a Banksy and selling it, it selling the video clip as an NFT is more valuable than the original piece of art. And then from there, I don't know how, but we did a hard pivot into the history of anti-Semitism, into Islamic economies and how they don't charge personal tax. From there, we moved into Christian dogma. And then once again, we did a hard pivot into Blade and how Wesley Snipes was like the perfect actor for that movie and how Jean-Claude Van Damme got fired up the set of Predator. And then from there, we did another hard pivot into Pierce Morgan and how he's a little bitch and how he's been shitting on Meghan Markle because he got jilted by her. And then we ended with the extremely misleading last names of the British royal family who have roots in German history. Yes, correct. So yeah, that's a total of three, six, nine, twelve pivots that we went on today. Wow. That is uh, that is uh, not a record, but that's a healthy amount of pivots for us. We basically went through like ten pivots in half an hour. That was, that was quite the range there. That's true. We spent like the first 30 minutes just talking about NFTs and, and cryptos. All right. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Tangent Party. Please like us uh, and subscribe to us on your favorite podcast channel and feel free to drop us a line at tangentparty.yyc at gmail.com we'd love to hear from you and if you have any ideas for us or suggestions for us to tangent on we always like to hear from our fans thank you and see you next week